what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. Today, we have an interesting topic and the lead-in for it is what you deserve. What you deserve. So I really want you to think about this. When you think about what you deserve, put the fill in the blank. I deserve, what is it? What do you think you deserve? Because we usually get what we expect, but I am going to break this down and connect it to some spirit-filled real talk. So Fun side story, but just keep that in mind for you personally. What you think you deserve is usually what you receive. (laughs) It's usually what you tolerate. It's usually what you accept. So just think about that in the aspects of relationships, your job, how you take care of yourself, how you show up, what you allow to go through your mind every day. Just think about that. Okay, so I was led to get this beautiful dress, and it's from the UK. And it was shipped here, and UK has like all these interesting, fun sizes that are interesting to (laughs) guess on the internet without being able to actually try it on. So this gift came, and it came in a package that I did not suspect, or I did not expect, and it had this quote on the inside, which is a quote that is one that is near and dear to me and one that I stand on, of course, that I can back with the word of God, which I will also do. But it says, you deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer. (laughs) You deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer. And this is a personal quote that I love because if you have experienced things that are not so beautiful, that actually can become your expectation. But deeper than that, that can become how you think about yourself, how you really show up in the world. You might be limited in a lot of ways. You might take risks, not take risks. You might not believe in yourself. You might not step out in things because you don't actually believe that you deserve that because life hasn't offered you that. Okay. And if we're not careful, we adapt to lesser things because we think that that's what we deserve right? But if you dared to believe that you deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer, you would still show up when things don't go your way, or you would trust that God is working things for your good. Or even now, even when it looks like this, this is still, God's still at work. He's still working. Even when I don't see him working, he's still working, right? Or God's promises are good, right? And God's word does not return void, right? And I'm going to choose to exercise faith until it happens, right? I'm going to be confident until it happens, right? But so often when we start to recognize that things are not going 
the way we hoped we would, we can let our whole day be derailed by news or by some sort of setback, right? And then we start not believing. And that starts to show up in how we show up and how we act and how we behave, okay? So we often ask ourselves, why isn't it working yet? Why haven't I received this? We think it's not working. We think it should have happened already because it hasn't yet, right? And so we start troubleshooting. We start trying to figure it out. We start wondering what the problem might be. We might even think that we're the problem. We start feeling low about it not working or about it not coming to pass. We start feeling like everything's pointless. Why bother? We start to give up a little here, a little there. We lose motivation. We do something else instead. We procrastinate. We then just really start to think that since it's still not working, because we're not working, it doesn't work even more. So we start creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, then we feel desperate. But all that has happened is we underestimated the time and effort maybe that something might take, the process that God was taking us on, right? We didn't see us God, we didn't see God taking us this way, right? That happened with the Red Sea story in the Bible, right? So when we stop working though, we didn't keep working when it stopped working, right? We started not working and that became a lifestyle. So we didn't stay working no matter what. We didn't learn the actual amount of mind renewal or belief or faith or character development or discovery with God or effort that it was going to take. And now if you stay in a place of giving up, you'll never know. So unless we we pick our belief back up, unless we pick up our work and decide that it works all the way until it does, we'll never know. We'll only know when we keep moving forward. That is when we'll know exactly how much effort it took to make it work, right? Or exactly what the fullness of what the process was before the promise came to pass. We don't always know that. Sometimes we think it's supposed to be instant. Sometimes, you know, we think that it's going to take forever, so we never jump in. So the key here is being able to be present and be in a relationship with God. So I wanted to shift this into God ideas and then give you something really practical that you can be doing day to day. So believing this we deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer. The verse that I promised to back this up is actually 1 Timothy 6.17. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Love that. Another way to say this too trying to find the one that I was... Okay, this one. This is the Amplified. As for the rich in this present world, instruct them not to be conceited and arrogant, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So what I love about this verse, again, it's 1 Timothy 6.17, is it says plainly where our hope should be. It shouldn't be in circumstances. It shouldn't be in people. It should be in God who what? Richly and ceaselessly. 
<laughs> provides everything for our enjoyment. So everyone who has ever told you that you're just supposed to be broke or miserable or follow religion and just kind of limp through life, they they were misinformed, right? God does want us to have and enjoy our lives in abundance and to the full. He wants to give us everything that we'll truly enjoy, right? And God is the one that actually knows what will fulfill us and what we will enjoy, okay? Sometimes we have that off. There's a way that seems right to us, right? But in the end leads to destruction. So only when we're partnered with God and in relationship with God can we really receive from Him and grow in our awareness of Him and what really is His will and what's not. Really what is His perfect will and what is not, right? We thought we wanted that, but we're so glad we didn't get what we wanted because what God provided is so much better, right? But unless that we actually trust and believe that, we won't believe that we deserve everything beautiful that life, God, right, has to offer. Okay, so I just wanted to set it up with that verse for you. Now, the other one that I want to give you as we transition into God ideas and God instructions, that's really what I want to break down a little bit today and then teach you how to really apply this to your life. So I'm going to pull from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, and it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So whenever I have studied this scripture in the past, it always seemed like I can't trust my own thoughts and I can't trust my own ways because gods are higher and so they must be better, right? But that means that I must constantly question and critique myself because I can't trust myself, right? Because I'm going to get it wrong, right? I don't know what is right, but God does, right? So there, there's an extent of that that is true, right? And that's the humble place, right? God is, what, what, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? God, this or something better. God, I'm willing to see this differently. So there's a level of humility in staying open to God's wisdom, God's direction and responding with obedience to that. But what I also absolutely started realizing as of only a couple of days ago is that this is a heartfelt desire of God. It's a desire of God. God desires that our thoughts would align with his thoughts and that our ways would align with his ways because those are the ways that will lead us to life, right? So a lot of times we're not thinking highly of ourselves. We're not thinking on things that are lovely, pure, noble, praiseworthy. We're, we're not walking in the spirit of joy and expectancy, right? We're, we're not being moved by peace, right? We're, we're weighed down by the things of the world. We're thinking negative thoughts and criticisms and judgments and we're overwhelmed and beat up or we're exposing ourselves to a lot of things that actually don't line up with God at all. So then what, what that means is we're not able to be connected 
with God at the same level if we're not aligned with him, which means that we also can't allow his spirit, his life, his love to flow through us to the same degree that we could if we were aligned with him. So it's a call to action. And a lot of folks don't put in the time. I can speak from personal experience, right? We underestimate the amount of time that it actually takes to renew our mind, right? Or to have a right spirit renewed in us to break off the spirit of depression or discouragement or disappointment or unforgiveness or resentment or criticism or judgment or anger or whatever it might be, right? We underestimate sometimes what that looks like or we overestimate how long we think that's going to take. God can break something off of us in a second, right? But because we don't go to God, because we don't ask for help, because we don't do these things, we're limited, So God's desire is that we wouldn't live like Adam and Eve, right? We wouldn't live disconnected. We wouldn't live with, you know, all of this religion, right? Of what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong and keep score because God is not a God that is keeping score like that, right? It it makes what Jesus did null and void in a lot of ways, right? So what God wants us to do or invites us to do is to think like him so that we can live freely and we can rest in him and we can show up and walk with a lightness of being. Okay. But that comes when we're truly aligned with God, because what God sees about us often is very different than what we see about ourselves. The, the, the thoughts that God has for us, right? It's, they're as many as the sands on the seashore. There's so many beautiful, lovely thoughts that God thinks about us, but we tend to get hung up on the one negative thought that somebody spoke over us, right? Or the future that God has planned for us. It's good. It is a good future. Plans to prosper us, right? But with things that are going on in the world or with a figure that somebody says on the news or with, you know, a a disappointment that we see somebody else walk through, that might change our level of expectancy, right? But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to diligently and relentlessly make sure that we're aligned with him. So I really see that verse as a call to action. Okay, so with that, When it comes to God ideas and and walking with God, a lot of times I have found that my relationship with God has been a lot of communing with him and quiet time and prayer. And what I'll get is wisdom. I'll get revelation. I'll get, you know, a, a prompting to reach out to something, someone, right? Or sometimes it's even a conviction, not, not for a condemnation of any way, but to repent and turn from a faulty way of thinking or being or expressing or showing up in the world so that I can be more authentically who we put me here to be. Okay. But it's not shame or condemnation in any kind of way. And then a lot of times too, I'll get God ideas and I'll get divine instructions or God instructions. And so I just wanted to share that and then invite you into a way that you can start receiving that for yourself as well. So God ideas are are not limited. They actually can flow to us all the time, but we have a tendency to miss them. There's really just a shortage of people that will commit to put in the time, the energy, the dollars, the commitment to see a God idea all the way through. And I will say too that a God idea is different at times than a vision, right? Or something that takes, you know, a longer process to to fulfill, okay? Sometimes God ideas aren't that deep, right? But one rightly applied God idea can be more 
can be worth more than a lifetime of labor. Okay. And I know this to be true, (laughs) right? You can labor for something for years, but one rightly applied God idea can be more worth more than a lifetime of labor. So if you get the right God idea, like if you receive a God idea, if you take it for what it is and you apply it and you respond with obedience, it can be worth more. It can produce more fruit and multiply beyond what you can think or imagine. And it will do far more than all of years of effort and work could ever produce. Okay. So it is imperative to, to know that because it's, it's so powerful when you, you get one and you actually experience it change your life. But God ideas aren't necessarily a big idea. A lot of times we, we can think that, oh, the calling on my life is so huge or this God idea that I have is just so big. I'm never going to be able to accomplish it. God wants you to accomplish what he gives you. He wants you to be fruitful and multiply wherever you are with whatever he's given you. So sometimes we romanticize things and it's not actually what God wants us to do at all. It sounds good, but it's it's not actually what God wants us to do at all because all it's getting us to do is talk about it, overthink, procrastinate, and that's not doing anybody any good, right? So a God idea isn't necessarily a big idea. It doesn't always come with a major spiritual experience. You know, a lot of times we think that, oh, I was just sitting and I worshiped for two hours and all of a sudden in the middle of the worship, I was just, I saw an angel and then all of a sudden this thing happened. And that is not always how a God idea comes. I mean, you could be in the shower and get a download or you could, you know, be driving in your car and get an intuitive hit or you could be in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden your mind is like wandering to this idea based off what they said. Like it doesn't always come with a major spiritual experience. In receiving God ideas too, it's not just an event. It's not like you get one God idea and then all of a sudden your life has changed, right? It's not like, I'm not thinking of the guy's name, but the guy that created this sponge from Shark Tank that stepped into like a crazy business, right? I think he's the most successful person from Shark Tank for making a sponge with holes in it basically, right? But (laughs) it's not like you just get that one idea and that's it, right? You don't just have this great invention that changes your life and then you no longer hear God anymore. It's actually a lifestyle. You can receive downloads and inspiration and promptings and direction from God all the time. And I know that I used to be scared of this. I used to not want to hear from God because I thought whatever he was going to tell me was going to stretch me to a point that I didn't want to be stretched (laughs) or that it was going to scare me. And a lot of times God ideas are something that we enjoy, something that brings excitement and passion. They're not always something that is super scary or that's going to really stretch us and be like a risk that we don't feel like we can bear. You know, there are times where that does happen, right? But that's not always what a God idea is. And it might not be bigger than you. And you might actually have the money and the resources for it. Sometimes we think that we're going to have to step out and we're not going to have any resources at all. But you might actually have all the resources that you need and it might be a smaller amount than you think you need. And sometimes we think too that we're not going to be able to fulfill or complete this God idea by ourselves when sometimes that's you're the very person that's supposed to answer it or supposed to do something. I found a lot of times when I really want to see something change or someone do something about something, that is a God idea. <laughs> and I'm the person that God has in mind. And if it's not me, he'll he'll pick somebody else, right? But a lot of times we're inspired and moved in ways like that because God wants us to do something about it. So it's not 
with God ideas, this isn't something that we need to over-spiritualize or get caught up in our ego and romanticize and then not take any action or just have so much pride about it because it doesn't look like we think we should, right? The key is relationship with God and partnering with God so we might be able to hear from him and be led by him, right? And so God ideas sometimes need some processing and some thought. And other times too, we get God instructions. You know, I know every time... I have been led to write a book. It's come as an instruction or even an invitation, right? And I could ignore that and do nothing about it. But what I found is God honors swift obedience. And as we move through life, we're always moving at the pace of our obedience. That's what I found. So there have been seasons where that is, that's been my entire focus. I just want to sit and spend time with God and hear from God and be very intentional about maintaining my connection with God throughout the day and being led by God and being faithful in every step, right? And it's not a perfectionistic thing. It's just like that was my heart's desire. That was my hunger, right? And in those times, it felt accelerated. It felt like I just kept being led to do things. I would say, yes, these doors would open. It just kept happening that way. And things move very, very quickly. Like it felt like literally I did in months, what would have probably taken years to do. So I have just seen that happen, but a lot of times it comes as an invitation. Oh, I'm ready for some healing. Okay, great, here's this program, go volunteer, right? But I could be like, mm, I don't wanna do that. And I actually did not wanna do it. <laughs> But I started taking the steps. I reached out to the people in charge. I went through interviews. I stepped into it. I kept showing up every day, right? But I could have said no. And that opened up so much more for me. Or when writing the book, like I mentioned, I kept getting these ideas about what the title would be, but then I thought that was stupid and I didn't want to write that. Or I thought that writing felt like punishment where you just have to lock yourself up in a room and type all day, right? I had all of these ideas in my mind about what I was thinking or expecting it to be which was nothing like God had in mind. And when I just actually submitted to the process and was obedient to the idea, to the instruction, to the prompting that I was given, right? I put the ideas that God gave me on paper and it turned into a book, right? I just took the instruction, this is your time and season to write, just obey. And I did that. So there can be a difference between a God idea and just following simple instructions. So pay attention to that. There can also be a difference between you know, a guide idea that might need to be developed in a vision that might have a longer process connected to it, right? So just keep that in mind. Now, a couple of things that you can do to really weigh a God idea, you can think through some questions. And this might be a podcast that you might want to pause and, and you know, jot down these questions or re-listen. But here are some questions or almost a checklist that you can kind of put your God idea through, Okay. So first one, where was I when, like first, was I thinking about this? So often when I get a God idea, it wasn't something that I was necessarily thinking about. It kind of seems like it came out of nowhere, which is why it's so often easy to dismiss, right? It just seems so random, right? Or too good to be true that it's easy to dismiss. So think about that. Was I thinking about this? Next, do I even really want to do this? <laughs> you know, often it's not something that I want to do or that I quote unquote feel like doing. However, when I explore this question, it is something that I'm being led to do, not necessarily what I feel like doing. Now, that's not to say it's the case every time, but I find that to be true a lot of the time. 
Next one is this idea way better than anything I could have come up with on my own. Usually I find that yes, <laughs> this is not what I was thinking. This is not what I was going to do. An example of this is recently when I was writing the book Stepping Into Royalty, I was really brewing with this other book idea at the same time. And I was like, well, this is really odd because I'm in the middle of writing one. How could I possibly be writing two at the same time? And how does one even do that? But the more I like really pressed in and lean into that, that is exactly what is happening. So I had different Word documents and different ways that I would prioritize both, which was wild. But that was happening for me, and that idea was way better than anything that I could have come up with, and it created two really great products versus just one. All right, next one. Does this sound crazy and pretty much the opposite of what you would think to do? Okay, so this is usually crazy. <laughs> like if you say it out loud, it doesn't sound like it's going to make sense or like it's going to work, and that's typically a God idea. And it's usually the opposite of what you would want to do. So I know I'm somebody that wants a plan. I want it all figured out. I want it to flow in just this way or in this timing or whatever, right? But that's not always what happens. And sometimes the process is way different. It could even be accelerated. So the, the strategy might flex a bit. Next one, where and who did the idea come from? So this is important. So a lot of times I found that people close to me might say something. I've heard people say too that their spouse is typically the person, like a, a helpmate is the person that they're actually getting these ideas from. And then if they like listen to these ideas, it ends up bearing much fruit. It could be a trusted friend and sometimes even an unsuspecting package. And this is typically what happens for me. It comes in a program or through a person um, or in a place that I did not expect. So this is actually true of um, the church that I went to ministry school at. I remember when I first set foot in there, I thought it was weird. I thought it was awkward. I did not feel comfortable in that space. I was not open to it actually, right? But I was given an instruction to come back to a women's conference that they had the very next weekend and had a completely different experience and very shortly thereafter applied and got into ministry school and you know it was all pretty much downhill from there actually but it was interesting if i would have just wrote it off in the very beginning uh and not seen the potential of what was there i would have missed out on so so much okay next one does it line up with the character and nature of god Okay, so I've actually used this one with God ideas quite a bit because I believe that love is the number one business strategy. So if it's, you know, if there's any level of personal gain or selfishness or self-centeredness, it's it's probably not of God, <laughs> right? Um, or if love is not the foundation, it's probably not a God idea. And then lastly, does the idea line up with the principles and values of God's kingdom? Okay, so if I'm not able to really steward this with the righteousness, peace, um, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? That That's probably not my God idea. Or if it's not rooted in service, it's probably not a God idea. So sometimes I, I use these questions to weigh if it's a God idea 
or not, right? Because it, it could be a good idea, maybe not a God idea. But it is imperative to remember what I'm sharing here at the beginning, that you deserve all of the beauty, everything beautiful that life has to offer. And a lot of the beauty that life has to offer comes in the form of God ideas and God instructions, meaning that the beauty that God wants to bring to this world, he wants to bring through you. Because not only will that delight you and light you up, but it will share so much beauty with other people, into the lives of other people. You'll just be able to pour all of this goodness into the lives of other people. So how does one do that, right? And it, this is actually a simple response. It's by living in the present and enjoying each moment, okay? Psalm 118, 24, you've probably heard this so many times. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. So easy to say, particularly first thing in the morning, different to actually live this out with intention and vibrancy, right? But we do need to enjoy every moment of our lives and stay focused on the present. That's truly where our power is. We can't dwell on the past or look too far into the future. Otherwise, we'll get anxious about that, right? The current moment is God's gift to us right now. So we need to fully live in it and enjoy it. And as we do that, that's actually when we're more receptive, we're more sensitive and more receptive to the Spirit of God, okay? To ideas that God is downloading to us, to instructions that He's giving us. When we're in the present, we're actually receptors. <laughs> we can receive from God on a different level when we're actually present. When we're distracted, when we're overthinking, when we're constantly busy, when we have no downtime, when we're not spending time with God, those are usually the times that we're not hearing from God and we're literally not even being like magnetized or empowered by him. Okay? So we literally can live in the present and can transform our lives and enjoy our lives in brand new ways if we make that a daily habit. And any day we waste, this is really what holds me accountable to this, any day we waste is one that we're never going to get back. And so it's important and it's entirely up to us to make every day and every moment count. But we can't do this if we don't believe that we deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer. If we don't believe God wants us to enjoy our life, we're not going to live in the present. We're going to be fearful about the past and making sure that the past doesn't happen in our future, right? We're going to be very limited in what we expect and in what we experience. But God's will for us is to enjoy every moment he gives us. His word says it in so many places. Actually, it's King Solomon, who's considered the wisest man who ever lived. In Ecclesiastes 2.24, he said, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Right? This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. So learning to live in the present and enjoy each moment can be a challenge for some people, and it can take time. Okay, but there are specific keys that we can apply to really enable us to intentionally live in the present moment and enjoy our lives if we put these into practice. Okay, so number one is to give yourself to what you're doing. Give yourself completely to what you're doing. When the term multitasking first became popular, everybody seemed to want to do it. Okay. 
in many job descriptions, even if you go on like LinkedIn now, they'll have things like must be able to multitask, right? And while there are certainly times that a person must juggle more than one thing at a time, multitasking in general does not serve us as a lifestyle practice, okay? And it's not something that is normal to sustain over long periods of time. It brings us into different imbalances that we're not designed to stay in. And trying to do too many things at once creates stress and prevents us from enjoying any one thing or celebrating small wins that happen. We just aren't able to do that anymore. And that can lead to depression and other things, right? So while we're able to do several things at once and remain calm and focused, all of us have limits, right? And doing too much at once often will create the stress, confusion, frustration, which keep us from enjoying anything. So as we stop multitasking and just commit to doing one thing at a time, concentrating on it and determining to enjoy it, we're start, we start to really enjoy the things that we start doing, okay? And we then don't overcommit to things. It's easier to make decisions. We don't bite off more than we can chew. But we only do this by breaking the bad habit of excessive multitasking. Okay, and this is difficult <laughs> to do in the beginning, but it really comes from establishing new balanced habits. Okay, and focusing on what you're doing one thing at a time is a vital part of that goal. Okay, and what I found to be really helpful in this is to schedule things out. So make a list of all the things that I would be like totally jazzed about if they were accomplished this week, this month, whatever it is. Make a list, pray over the list, and then put that list on the calendar. Literally write it out on the planner. And if I have to shift the different days that that happens, cool beans. But it will at least happen in that week in that month, whatever it happens to be, versus never at all if I never wrote it down or never committed to it, okay? The decision to commit to it is huge in something actually coming to pass. Number two, become childlike in your approach to God. I used to be so, so serious. And if you've been rolling with me for a minute, you're like, what? <laughs> but I used to be super serious. Life was hard. I had to figure it out. It was stressful. It was heavy, right? And acting like an adult is a good thing in most cases. You can accomplish a lot of beautiful things, right? But our approach to God is to be like little children. Not childish, but childlike, okay? Because what happens, little children can easily find a, a way to enjoy whatever it is that they're doing with even the most random things too, right? And if you approach God in a childlike way, you can enjoy your relationship with him and all that you do versus if you see him as a punishing father or this like tyrant, right? That you can never please, whatever that is, that is just not how God wants to relate with you or the, the perception that he wants you to have. That might've been your experience with an earthly father, but that is not God the father, so when you approach God with a childlike trust that does not have to understand the why behind everything and just have simple faith and pray simple prayers, be quick to repent and be quick to receive God's help, believe God is good. If you need forgiveness, ask for it, receive it by faith. You stop wasting your time and you stop living guilty and condemned. And with this simplicity in your relationship with God, you'll find yourself growing spiritually and enjoying him more than ever. It won't feel like a task 
spending time with God or reading the word, right? It's one of the worthiest and most rewarding goals you could set for your life to enjoy God at all times and in everything that you do. So for example, in the beginning of my relationship with God, I thought that you like have to read the word of God, right? And this should be something that I do every day. When really I started to actually apply the word of God to my life and to the thoughts that I had, it was shocking, right? How, what I was believing, what I was believing about myself, what I was believing about my life, about my future, about relationships, about all the things, right? And it takes years. Well, it took years for me. It might not take them for you, but it takes years to do mind renewal work, right? Some of these thoughts can really be strongholds that it takes a lot of renewing. It takes finding the truth. It takes repeating it to myself over and over every day, right? And it seems simple, but it takes actual work to do that and just have simple faith, right? That what I'm speaking over my life is doing something. I am believing this new thought. I am becoming you know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't need to work for that. I am that, right? So in this moment when I feel unworthy, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So doing that though <laughs> is a labor to enter into God's rest, okay? But it is worth it for sure. And now I don't see reading the word as a task. I see it as a vital necessity and something I look forward to because it equips and empowers me. Number three, enjoy people. We cannot enjoy the present moment if we don't learn to enjoy all different types of people because many of the moments in our lives include people, okay? And most of our unhappiness is caused from people not being what we want them to be or not doing what we want them to do, right? So, even though some people may annoy you in your life, you don't have to mention who they are, God loves them and wants us to have a good attitude and heart towards everybody, okay? Everyone is created in God's image and likeness. And the more you train yourself to see that, the more you'll actually enjoy people. And all people come with different temperaments and personalities and backgrounds. And God enjoys them all. They're all his masterpiece, right? So he delights in variety and encourages us to do the same. Okay, so start, if you have a habit of looking for things that you don't like, start looking for things that you do like and that you can enjoy in other people. Number four, enjoy a balanced life. Okay, I truly believe that maintaining a life of balance is one of our biggest challenges. And I know a lot of people say there's no such thing as balance, but I have a thought that it's just the people that are trying to be perfectionist or just do it all. Okay, you don't have to do it all, <laughs> but you can do what you've been given well, and you can enjoy it and you can bring balance to it. So I encourage you, if you are called to do this, to regularly examine your life and ask yourself honestly if you've allowed any area to get out of balance. That's something that we allow. It's something that we enable. Are you doing too much or too little of anything? Because a lack of balance could really be the root of you not being able to enjoy your life. Okay? And I personally have not always lived a balanced life. And there's definitely been seasons where I have not, and I've had to learn some hard lessons from that. But... God can help us reach a point where we do stay balanced now most of the time, okay? We can balance activities that help us stay in balance and help us take care of ourselves with rest and with fun. We can, you know, schedule in time 
to meet up with our friends. We can schedule work hours and non-work hours. We can be more intentional with this. Number five, let go of the past. Your past, I hear you on this, can be unbearably heavy when you try to carry it into your presence. And the way to let it go is to stop thinking about it completely. And I know that this is like, because if anybody tells you to stop doing something, that's usually the thing that you keep doing, (laughs) right? Because you don't stop doing something by focusing on it. You've got to get it off your mind and out of your conversation. So that that means is that you've got to renew your mind to something new and you've got to start speaking life and declaring God's word over circumstances, over situations, over people in your life. Because what the enemy is going to want to do is remind you of your past because he wants you to stay stuck in it. But you have to know this. You get to choose your thoughts. And you don't have to think about everything that falls into your mind. And you definitely don't have to say it. Okay? And holding on to your past or believing the worst about your future will keep you stuck. And if you struggle with guilt or condemnation, shame, blame, regrets... God will forgive you. He already has forgiven you and he will set you free if you simply ask him. Okay, number, what number am I on? One, how many did I get through? I'm looking at my list. One, two, three, four, five. This is six. Number six, choose your battles wisely. (laughs) One of the best ways that we can enjoy the present moment and and avoid undue stress is to refuse to let every little thing upset us, okay? In other words, don't make mountains out of molehills. So before you devote time, energy, and emotion to an issue or situation, ask yourself a couple of questions. How important is this situation? How much of my time, effort, and energy is really appropriate for me to put into this, right? Know what truly matters in life and focus on those things and learn to discern the difference between major and minor matters. Okay, number seven, realize that you cannot meet everybody's expectations. So we all have many different relationships in our lives. Most are fun and exciting, but most people expect things from us, okay? And expectations that people have of us can be reasonable and, and, you know, we can be responsible for meeting them, such as caring for children with your partner, but other expectations are unreasonable, such as when people expect us to do things for them when they're capable to do those things for themselves, but simply don't want to make the effort, right? When we meet everybody's expectations or constantly put their needs before our own, we become exhausted, okay? We're also people-pleasing rather than pleasing God and we become ineffective. All right. So we all want others to be pleased with us, but we must also realize that they frequently have unrealistic or inappropriate expectations. So we're wise to seek God about this so we can understand which expectations he would have us meet and which ones we do not need to meet. And that comes a lot of the time by journaling, by talking things through with God, by letting him lead and guide us. Okay. It's not always something that we can just understand on our own. Number eight, don't wait to enjoy yourself, okay? This is something that is a big one, and this is the last one as well. 
Don't wait to enjoy yourself. Have fun while you work. Have fun in your relationships. Everything doesn't have to be so serious. Find ways to enjoy the present moments in your life, okay? Certainly learning to be happy while you work may be one way, but there's many others. Start thinking about that. Start using your imagination to think about what you can do to have and to find more joy in every experience. The present moment is something that we're actually not guaranteed. Sometimes we live like it is, right? So you don't want to wait until later, until you get married, until you retire, until you go on vacation, until your children finish college to enjoy your life. Nobody knows what's going to happen next in their lives or in the world. Not even the people that think they have it all figured out. (laughs) You are alive now, so maximize it, embrace it, celebrate it, and remember that you deserve everything beautiful that life has to offer, okay? So think about your life today and what you believe you deserve. Examine if you are receiving or maybe you've missed and jot them down if there's something that God keeps putting on your heart. God ideas, God instructions, promptings, jot those down. Those aren't things that he's speaking to anybody else. He's speaking them to you. Okay, and then from that list of those eight things, what is one or a couple that you're going to actively start doing? Is it going to be enjoying yourself more? Is it going to be enjoying other people? Is it going to be intentionally living a more balanced life? What is highlighted to you and what intentionally are you going to start doing? All right, guys, I hope you experience something beautiful this week and remind yourself that you deserve everything beautiful life has to offer. If you want to get connected and get plugged into some great resources, make sure that you also check out julianapage.com. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, now is a great time to do so. I actually give you a free gift when you do. So all you've got to do is subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or online wherever you listen. Then leave a review. Give me a five-star rating. (laughs) Leave a comment. And once you do those things, email info at julianapage.com for a free gift. And you can also screenshot that you're subscribed and I will get that gift out to you. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed. Stay blessed.